Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Joel Grote, and today I've got a special guest with me. Um, I have Lynn Wilder's husband, Mike, who is filling in for Lynn, and we are going to be talking today about their series based on their book, Seven Reasons Why We Left Mormonism. So, Mike, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you on, have you as co-host today. So, been a while since we've been together. It's exciting to be here. It's uh... Lynn really gets nervous when, you know, she allows me to speak. So I'll try not to uh, (laughs) say anything to upset you or to degrade anything that you guys have done over the many, many years here. So, but it's an honor. Uh, She's tied up at this point. So I will, I will jump in and, and we wrote a book together many, many years ago, back around 2012, I guess, uh, seven reasons we left Mormonism. And we're talking, I guess, on the last point here. Uh, it said the LDS church believes that they are the only one and true church upon the face of the earth. So, and so before we jump into it for our listeners, there's kind of been a gap between reasons five and six, which you covered in a previous podcast and this one. So if you want the previous six reasons why Mike and Lynn left Mormonism, you're going to have to go back in the podcast archives a little bit, maybe try going back four or five episodes, something like that. Um, but this is um, this is the last point in this, so that's where we're we're here. So if you're new to the podcast, you're jumping in. You're right. Great reasons seven. What happened to the first six? Well, they're there. <laughs> they're in back episodes, and you can find all those at the um, unveilinggracepodcast.com yes. website. So all of our and, podcast and, episodes are there. And you can always write us or contact Lynn through her communications procedures and ask for a book, and we'll see if we can get one out to you. I think. Our cost is like five bucks. And if you can't afford five dollars, we'll just send it to you for free, whatever. But but uh this uh um that gives you an overall view, um a you know, bullet point view, one of the reasons. Uh it's actually much more than seven reasons, but seven was kind of a just a good starting point. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, uh, so Joel, as as a pastor and as a person who's studied the scriptures, the Bible for such a long time. Can can a particular denomination just stand up and say we are the only true church on the face of the earth that God is well pleased? Well, um, historically, if you understand how denominations work and if you understand historic biblical Christianity, any true biblical denomination would never make that point. They would never make that claim for themselves because they recognize that the church is the church universal regardless of institution and that belonging to the body of Christ is an organic process that takes place when we enter into relationship with Jesus. And so for any one particular church or even denomination to make that affirmation would go totally against the whole New Testament understanding of what the church is and um, who we are as the body of Christ. Yeah. 
which is interesting because the LDS Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, they do make that claim. Okay. Yes. For for thirty years, uh, Lynn and I uh, attended the LDS Church, and every month we have what we call a fast and testimony meeting. Okay. Uh, and where members, uh, we don't have any per se sermons that day. Uh, we fast for 24 hours and we give the fast offerings to the poor, but it's the poor people in the LDS church that receives it. Um, and the whole concept is, you know, you fast, you get up there and you tell a testimony of, you know, why you join the church, what God is doing in your life. But as a general rule, most of the people would get up there and state this. I know Joseph Smith was a prophet. I know the church is true. I know the Book of Mormon is the word of God. I know we have a living prophet today. Those were always the same concepts given by children that were three or four years old. They'd be held up by their, their parents, and you would always state those concepts. I know the church is true. And when they speak of church, you're not speaking of the universal church like what you are. They were speaking of the organization the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is, you know, the organization that we belong to. And yes, so yeah. that's a huge difference. But we heard that every month for 30 years. And I said it myself multiple times. And all my children have stated that. And Len has stated that. This was a mantra that we would do every month. We would get out there. And uh, Micah, I remember before he would went on his mission for the whole year before he went on his mission when he was like 17, 18 years old, um, he would he would get up there and give his testimony. It kind of became a known thing in the, that part of the, the area for, for Micah that he would always give his testimony on fast and testimony meeting. So, yeah. And so but, but just, anyway. you know, so our so our listeners understand these affirmations, Joseph is a true prophet, the Book of Mormon is scripture, the LDS Church is the only true church on the face of the earth. These are all affirmations that if you aren't willing to make them, pretty much mean that you can no longer remain a member in the organization. Is that a correct understanding of that? That That is very correct. In other words, you can't just say that, well, I think Joseph Smith was a prophet. I think the Book of Mormon may be the word of God. I'm not sure. And I'm not sure if we really have a living prophet today. I, I've, I've heard him see, say some pretty strange things, and I don't really agree with that. Um, so would you be excommunicated? Well, years ago, you probably would be back in the 80s, you know, when we were okay. in the LDS <laughs> church. But today, uh, they're trying to keep their members you know, at least keep them on a record. So maybe they'll pay some tithing. Uh, but but the fact is that you wouldn't get excommunicated. And some bishops might, but but that's okay. a, that's a key <laughs> thing. I mean, all those points you I stated there and you, what you've stated, you have to be to even, you know, begin to get close to a temple recommend. You have to state those facts. OK, OK. You yeah. have to. Uh, agree to these you know points joseph smith was definitely a prophet you know we have the true church upon the face of the earth and so forth and by just doing that to get a temporary man plus all the other things they ask you that's the only way you can get to heaven to live with heavenly father so it's a big big point okay yeah and so it's this in their point, scriptures 
Right. This, so this, this point this, that we're looking at, the LDS church is the only true church and their prophet speaks for God. That affirmation then is critical to understanding the very nature of the LDS church as an organization and oh, its trueness that, or yes, its falseness. Yes, okay. it's not optional. You have to do that. So you were saying this is part of their scripture. Do you have scriptures? Do you have quotes yes, from their if, scriptures? If, to kind if, of if you look up? in the uh, Doctrine and Covenants, um, I do believe it's a uh, Doctrine and Covenants 130. And let me just kind of uh, read this real quickly. I don't sure. have, I used to have these things memorized, but for some reason, I don't think they need to be memorized anymore. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I mean, I know the concept, okay? But Doctrine and Covenants 130 is revelation given by Jesus Christ. Let's set this up. So this okay. is Jesus Christ speaking, okay, right. to Joseph Smith. And, he, and he, he gave this revelation to Joseph Smith so that Joseph Smith could write down and then give it to the members of the, the congregation and say, see, God, God is speaking to me. This is what he's telling us. And we must follow these rules, okay? So Doctrine and Covenants 130 says, and also those to whom these commandments were given, the early Latter-day Saints at that point, might have power to lay down the foundation of this church and to bring it forth out of obscurity and out of darkness, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth with which I, the Lord, am well pleased, speaking unto the church collectively, not individually. So he's saying wow. to the body of the believers, you're the only so-called Christian church that I'm pleased. Because remember, you know, you guys have talked about this earlier uh, about the apostasy that, you know, the right. church, early church fell away and we were in darkness until, you know, 1830, until it was restored by Joseph Smith. And this is God telling Joseph Smith, OK, now I am well pleased with the church and you're the only true church. Okay? Right. So Mike, so from, from a historical perspective, some historical background on this doctrine and covenants is a collection of revelations that has been canonized as scripture. This is actually doctrine and covenant one. So this is the first section and then verse 30, because they're divided into verses. So you can find what's there. Right. This is what it would are, look like. So <laughs> are these, so aren't these like largely, um, chronological, in other words, the earlier the number of the doc of the doctrine and covenant, um, potentially the earlier it is in the process of the revelations given to Joseph. As a general rule, yes. Like number one, it starts the beginning of the church, but later on they kind of jump around, so okay. they don't always go in exact uh, chronological order as what they should be. Because you may have one that's a little bit earlier, the events happen earlier and is put later. Got and another okay. one that happened later put earlier. So, but, so for but, for example, that one, um, you've got your doctrine, you've got your DNC there. What's the date on that revelation? Yeah, that so that particular revelation. Uh, hold on here. Um, just so we know, Joseph Smith is saying, God is speaking to me. I'm writing it down, and then I'm going to now yeah. convey to the rest of the church what Jesus himself is saying to me. Uh, let's see. They they may they okay, this was given. Uh, November 1st, 1831. Okay. Okay. And so the so, church was established in 1830. So this is less than a year yeah. after right. the church has been, well, within the first year, yeah. year and a half of when uh, the church it, was it, set the, up. The church officially started, I think, April 6th, 1830. 
Okay. Uh, so yeah. And so this is the first one. Then I'm just flipping to like number two and number two uh, is revelation given back in 1828. Okay. So, so, you know, a few years earlier and then revelation number three is February 29th. See, it, it, it jumps so around. They jump. But yeah. my, my point is, this is a revelation that's given early on by Joseph Smith at the beginning right. of the church. So this is yes. something he wants to establish, or he's saying God wants to establish through him at during the very beginning stages. So this is something that's been affirmed by the church right. pretty much right. since its beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been a, a standard testimony thing. You know, Joseph Smith was a prophet. Yes, we're following him. And he started the church, you know. Uh, in you know April 6th, 1830, and God now has given him a resolution that this is the only true church whom I am well pleased as of uh, November 1st, 1831. So you can understand why other ministers and other pastors in the area where Joseph Smith is teaching would be a little put out because basically, <laughs> what this revel is, Joseph Smith is saying, hey, God just told me you guys are all wrong. Everybody, anybody except for the church I just started is wrong and is in darkness. So right. I can see why that would be potentially offensive to other pastors and ministers. Well, so then how does this, because the whole reason you wrote this book was to say, hey, these particular affirmations of the LDS church are ones that as we studied the Bible, we found were in direct contradiction to what we were discovering God had revealed already in the Bible. So what do you have for scripture then that would really kind of show this affirmation from Joseph Smith to not be biblical when he says that this now is the only true church? Well, there's, you know, the Bible doesn't state that. First of all, um, you know, one of the articles of faith, which Lynn's probably mentioned many times, you know, yep. we believe that we as a church, as a body, believe in the Bible as far as it's translated correctly. Right. And we also believe to, you know, to be, uh, we also believe that the Book of Mormon to be the word of God, no qualifiers will end it. It is the word of God. Okay. Right. So they put suspicion in the Bible to begin with that, yes, the Bible's not going to say what we're going to say here because we're the only true church. The Bible came from man who was, and it was corrupted by man. And it actually states that on the LDS website that it, it was put together by man and that we can't really trust the Bible. So they're not going to be able to point to the Bible and say, well, here's verses that support it. Well, that's a lie to begin with, and you can't support a lie in the Bible. Okay. Right. So, so the, to me, one of the best verses that support the concept that, you know, that God had to restore the church, okay? Um, and, and so what this means is that when you say it's the one and only true church, it means that all the other churches were wrong. They fell away into apostasy, okay? Yes. And therefore, God had to restore the new one, and he picked George, Joseph Smith to do that. And so they restored the church. And obviously, if they restored the church out of all the incorrect ones, hopefully it would be the correct church, right? Correct. Yes. <laughs> so That's so what that saying. means and what Mormonism teaches is that the teachings that Jesus set up 
when he was doing his ministry upon the face of the earth, that all those teachings that he did are incorrect, you know, were correct then, but they were changed by the yeah. time, you know, and had to be restored by Joseph. Okay. So this is a verse that I find very hard to say, wait a minute, God failed. <laughs> God failed when he set up his church, when Jesus came. Okay. So upon this rock, Christ, his name, who he is, I will build my church and nothing will prevail against this. So Jesus is saying, I'm starting my church and you recognize who I am. I am the son of the living God. I am the Christ. I'm setting up my church. And I'm telling you now that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Nothing will stop it. Okay. Yeah. But but to me, that's that's a major verse. And Lynn always likes to give missionaries this and reveal is and have a missionary read that and says the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And they say, is this correct or is this incorrect? Right. Because you're saying the gates of hell did prevail against it. The church fell away into apostasy. God had to remove his priesthood, his authority from the earth, and Satan ruled. Well, we know this, this world is the Satan's world, but there was no presence of God here. And that's incorrect. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's, to me, that's probably one of the strongest scriptures. There's all kinds of other scriptures in here that support you know, it's living, it's active, it's, you know, going forth, um, uh, you know, it's this, it's not designed to be yes. thrown away. Well, okay. I think of, I think of, for example, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, yes. um, where it talks about what the church really is, the fact that the church is the body of Christ, that Jesus is the head. And so 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Right. So we as believers, so for any one group of the body to now single itself apart and say, well, no, we're the only true church, just flies in the face of the whole biblical concept of the body as this organic. So Jesus is the head, he directs, but right now we are the ones who implement the kingdom. We're the hands right. and the feet and the legs and the eyes or the you know, the shoulders and the, of the, of the church. And as Christ directs us as the head, every member works together. And so everyone who's put their faith in Christ is part of this great body. Um, so, yeah, so that becomes a, a yeah, really important it's, point. It, it's interesting that, you know, when we speak of the body and we're, we're speaking, you know, Paul also speaks of the gifts, you know, we're all given different responsibilities Yes. And, you know, some people are good at this and some people are good at that. And that's the unique thing of the body. OK. And when it all the pieces, parts come together, that creates the church. And yes. And 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 that means it's no particular organization. It's built up a body of believers. Okay? Yes. It's organic. So, right. It's um, uh, where in the LDS church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it's the church that actually saves you. Okay. It's that piece of paper that they give you, that you've been baptized, you've been made a member of the church, that, that temple recommend, because when they remove your name 
if you get excommunicated from the LDS church, okay. when they removed your name from their records, you are lost. Okay. okay? So you cannot there's... go to the celestial kingdom. So even if you still have a faith in Christ, even if you still believe in the Bible, if you're excommunicated from the organization, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, according to them, you've now lost all hope of eternal life in the presence of yeah. Heavenly Father. And, it's and not right. possible and, without and, them. Right, right. In the presence of Heavenly Father, you will go to the middle kingdom, or you could go to the lower kingdom. You could go to where Christians go, okay? The, uh, uh, you know, there's a... Uh, Telestial kingdom, terrest ter uh, terrestrial kingdom, and celestial kingdom. So uh, I think it's the, the, the three there. So, But the celestial kingdom is where only Mormons can go that's been in the temple. Okay? So right. when you lose that temple recommend, when you lose membership in the church, all the blessings of the temple. I know I've received a piece of paper that states that <laughs> when I resigned from the LDS church, they sent me a piece of paper said that your, your, your uh, eternal marriage has been canceled. All the blessings that you received from the temple have been placed. Your, your ability, your priesthood, uh, your ability to, to go to the celestial kingdom, live in the presence of heavenly father has been removed. Your baptism has been revoked. Everything about you in the LDS church has been canceled. Okay. Wow. It's, it's, so it's gone. That's an amazing amount of authority for men on earth to claim to have over the spiritual lives and well-being of people. So it's no wonder that as you read the Bible and discovered these things about what the true church is and what prophets are. And um, I think I'm, I think I want to end with this because you have another scripture that you guys use to go with this point, because the other part of the affirmation is that there is this living prophet, and that's right. why there's so much authority. Right. Yeah. And yet, um, Luke 16, 16 has Jesus saying, the law and the prophets were until John, who yes. announced the coming of Jesus. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, which yeah. seems to indicate there's an end to this use of prophets to reveal God's will. And now God is doing that through his son, through Jesus. Right, right. Um, yeah. The, the, the concept of the prophets that we had in the Old Testament, that's what the Mormonism restored. They took just that same authority of the prophets in the Old Testament and brought it today. And But Jesus says it's ended. The right. law has ended. Okay. I fulfilled the law. There is no need for prophets. Right. For the law and the prophets ended with John. And make sure we understand they're talking about John the Baptist at that point. Yes. Because so, he was the one announcing that, you know, right. behold the Son of Man who comes to take away the sin of the world. So, yes. Mike, as uh, when you were a faithful LDS, and both you and Lynn were, you were staunch, stalwart, all in uh, Mormons when you were members of the church. Lynn was right. a professor at BYU. You were part of the bishopric. You were on high councils. You were very highly regarded um, within LDS circles. You had faithful kids who went on missions. Right. So how would you have responded to, for example, Hebrews 1.1 with all your concept of prophets? Because Hebrews 1.1 also makes a really interesting statement about kind of the ending of this prophetic structure. Because it says, yeah. 
Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Yes. Which yeah. seems to lead you to believe that, okay, he's now up the ante of revelation. He's not going to use fallen men, prophets, who, yes, yeah. are inspired, but now he's going one better. He's going to speak through his very son. Yeah. As an LDS person, how would you have processed that verse? Well, it's it's interesting, like uh, Luke 16, 16, mm -hmm. or, you know, Hebrews 1, 1. We, we didn't talk about it. Oh, or we okay. just assumed it was not translated correctly. Or okay. we assumed that Joseph Smith translation was different. So, Got it. so okay. anything in the Bible that is a direct contradiction to the teachings of Mormonism, they just, they skip over, they don't talk about, they go directly to someplace else. And usually, um, let me just um, um, jump here real quickly to um, Hebrews, or maybe we'll talk about this in the next next one. Um, yeah, because we're pretty close to the end of this yeah, podcast time. Yeah. So, so let, let's let's jump in and get in more detail in the next okay. po podcast on on these items and how the church would interact with those. Um, okay. And then and I think so, in, in our next episode, it'd probably be good as we wrap this up and then maybe just do a quick recap of what those seven reasons were right? Um, again for you and Lynn. Okay. okay. Well, Sounds hey, great. Mike, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I look forward to our next episode. So um, stay tuned, everybody. We're going to finish up reason seven and then do a recap next time we're with you. So as Lynn would say, grace and peace. We'll be delighted to share another podcast episode next week. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.